through Psalm 139, if you'll be finding that in your Bible. Psalm 139. I've said this uh, before, but I'll say it again. It's just always a blessing for my wife and I when we can be in our home church. We do uh, travel some. um, And since I retired from pastoring here back in June, and I like the life that God has given us, but there's no place I enjoy more than being home. And not just being in our home, but being in our church home with our church family and worshiping and singing here. And it's just a great, a great privilege and honor. And we are thankful that God has allowed us to continue to be active and serving in, in the church where the Lord added us. And I praise the Lord for that today. I'm Seldom a day goes by, if ever a day goes by, that we don't express to God how grateful we are that we can be in our church and worshiping the Lord together and serving in the house of God. Psalm 139 is where we're going to read uh, this morning, and I'd invite you to find that in the Bible. And if you have found that and you're able to stand, please stand with us for the reading of the Word of God Psalm 139 and verse 1. These are words that many of you will find familiar. And I I trust today that not only will we be encouraged by familiar words from the Bible, but also challenged and encouraged to apply these principles to our own life. Psalm 139 and verse 1. The Bible says, O Lord... Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue But lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid Thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Now we're going to read some more, but we'll stop there. But if there is a theme that is emphasized in these few verses... It's about God's knowledge. Verse 2, Thou knowest my down, my down sitting. Thou understandest my thought afar off. And verse 4, about our words, Thou knowest it all together. Verse 6, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. And we're going to emphasize God's his omniscience, his knowledge about everything today and how that should impact our lives. Let's pray as we begin. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the power of your word to, Lord, to shape our thinking, to influence our decisions, to change our worldview. We thank you for the influence of the word of God in our lives. And as we begin this time of teaching and preaching, Lord, we pray that the Spirit of God would be our helper to help us understand, to help us to be attentive 
and to help us to apply and respond as you would to your word as it would please you. And Father, we thank you and praise you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. The term that we use to describe the fact that God is all-knowing is His omniscience. God knows everything. God knows everything there is to know about everything and everyone. And sometimes, sometimes I think uh, people doubt that or wonder about that, and perhaps it's because we can't explain it, but at the very, any given moment, right now as I'm speaking, God is aware of every person on this planet, what they're doing, where they are, what they're thinking, what they're saying, that's called His omniscience. Now this is a theological reality. It is a truth that is found throughout the Word of God. Jesus, Jesus affirmed it. The Bible affirms it. It's an attribute of God. And this knowledge of God is not only is it immense, but it's personal. It's about every person. And I think we ought to personalize it. And it's, and it's precise. He, God knew when you stood up a moment ago, and God knew when you sat down. God knows everything about us. He knows where we are. He knows where we left to get where we are. He knows the route that we took. He knows where we're going when we leave here. And He is aware of the most minute details of every life. Now, I realize today that all of us may not look at this the same way. And I can't prove that to be true other than the fact that God says it's true. And by the way, that's good enough for me. That God says it is true. He knows our thoughts, verse 2 says. My, he understands my thoughts are far off. God knows what we're thinking. He knows our words. Verse 4 says, There's not a word in my mouth or in my tongue, not a word, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. He knows every He knows every word that we say. He knows all of our thoughts. And expressing, as David is expressing his, his feeling about this. He said that it's, verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's overwhelming. It surpasses my understanding to comprehend that God is omniscient. That God knows everything. You'll never be any place that God does not see you. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, the Bible says, beholding the evil and the good. Now, sometimes people may wonder, is God really that personal? And I want to say emphatically today, He is. But it surpasses our ability to comprehend. By the way, this is something worth thinking about. Not just in church on Sunday morning, but every day, wherever we are, in our meditation, in our time of thinking, but also, as we'll say in a moment, our application. What does that mean to me in the way I live my life? God knows everything. He knows when we're happy. He knows when we're hurting. He knows when we feel lonely. He knows when we're betrayed. He knows when we're afraid. He knows when we're being tempted. He knows when we're being less than honest. God knows everything. You say, well, how can God know everything 
about everyone, everywhere, at the same time? And the answer is simple, because he's God. Sometimes people want a God that they can explain and understand, but God's ways are above our ways, and his thoughts are above our understanding. He's the Almighty. He knows everything. And look, let's read a little further. In verse 7 it says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? David asked the question. Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Everywhere we go, God is there. Sometimes we may feel alone, but we're not really alone. You know, Jonah was in the midst of a stormy sea in the belly of a whale, and God was there. You can't ever go anywhere where God is not. You can't get away so fast that God can't keep up because He's everywhere at the same time. Look in verse 11, it says, David says, as he writes, If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me. If I were to say, I'll just get in the dark, God won't be able to find me in the dark. Surely the darkness shall cover me. If I say that, even the night shall be light about me. Even when it's, when it's dark, God is still there. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. To God, there's no difference between the darkness and the light. You can't hide from God. You know, uh, our pastor, Pastor Wise, some weeks ago he was teaching, I think it may have been on a Wednesday night, but but he mentioned how gloomy days can affect us. Overcast days, drizzly days. Have you all ever noticed that? Maybe you have. And you know what? They do. But no matter how gloomy the day is, God still sees us. And he, darkness may encompass our days, but it can't shut him out. Every time I read this passage, I remember something that happened to me a whole lot of years ago. I was visiting in the home of a pastor uh, in North St. Louis County. I'd never been in his home or never met him before. But I went there because I'd been uh, invited to come and wanted to kind of sit there and touch base and kind of uh, get to know each other. But what he did not know was that I was going through one of the most discouraging, dark times of my life. And it hadn't just been a bad week or a bad month. It just seemed to me for many weeks like, where was God? Now, I know, I know theologically God's always with us, but I, didn't, I just felt like I felt alone. Maybe you've been there before. And I was sitting there on his couch, and we were getting to know each other. And as I was sitting there, I noticed a very simple, kind of crude um, plaque on his wall. And these were the words on the plaque. The darkness and the light are both alike unto thee. And I don't remember a lot about that meeting, but I remember this. God reminded me from that verse, taken from this where we just read right here in verse 12, the darkness and the light are... God reminded me that whether it seems dark or not, that God's still with me. 
God is everywhere, and the darkness and the light are the same to him. Look in verse 13, it says, For thou hast possessed my reins. Now the word reins has to do with our innermost part of our being, the, the, the most innermost part of our life. Thou hast possessed my reins. God, you, have, you've, you can control even the, the most inward part of me. And then he says this in verse 13, Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. When I was still in my mother's womb, you were there. Now that's an amazing thing to think about, isn't it? That God possesses the most inward parts of us, and while we were still in our mother's, before we were ever born, God was covering us. Now I want to tell you, that's a wonderful thing to behold, isn't it? And then he said this in verse 14, it's like he erupts with a word of praise. I will praise thee. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee. When I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. What a great statement. Before I was born, before you were born, before the members of your body began to form and take shape, according to the Bible, God was there with you. And your members of your body, the way you would be, were recorded in God's book. It says, Verse 16, in thy book all my members were written and they were fashioned accordingly. It's just a good reminder today, first of all, about the sanctity of life. That every child is a gift from God. And that God had his hand and was watching over us even when we came into this world. Verse 17, David writes, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O Lord, O God. How great is the sum of them. You ever wonder what God thinks about you? You ever wonder if God thinks about you? Well, this verse answers that question. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. you've ever been in a pile of sand or on the seashore is what I'm thinking about on the coastline and you think about all the grains of sand that's a lot of sand and God uses that terminology to talk about things that are innumerable if I should count them God's thoughts about me they're more than number than the sand when I wake I'm still with thee God's thoughts about us are precious and they're innumerable. Imagine that. You know, sometimes, maybe we've all been here at some time or another, we wonder what people think about us. And I know as a young person, I struggle with that. I wanted to be liked. I wanted to be popular. And we think about what people think about us, and there's nothing wrong with that. 
But I'll tell you what's most important to know is that God thinks about us. And God cares about us. And God loves us. That He's interested in you. Young person, God is interested in you. He saw you before you were ever born. He watched over you. God, you never go anywhere. You never go into a room. You never go anyplace. You never say anything. You never think anything that God is not aware of it. God cares about us. But now that David shifts a little bit in his writing in verse 19, Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. David had enemies, many of them. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies, talking about God, thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee, and am I not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. Now there's a distinction made here, and it's not a surprise to us, that God knows everything about every person, where they go, what they think, what they say, but there's a difference in the way God looks at them. God looks at His people, those who know Him. David spoke in the first person that God looked at him with innumerable thoughts and pleasant thoughts. But here he says that his thoughts regarding the wicked, those who res resist him, are not pleasant. That brings us to the last two verses. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So this morning as we think about this passage, and I've spent the first bit of the sermon just talking about what it says and what it means. The omniscience of God. God knows everything about everyone at the same time. God sees everything, knows everything, hears everything. But what does that mean to me? What, how should that impact my life? How, how could I, as a believer, make application of God's omniscience? And I want to look at this, the remaining time we have today. First of all, I want to make an application to those, whoever they are that read this passage, those who are unsaved, those who are not believers, those who've never been born again, and uh, to think about this. To, I put myself in that place. Now, by the grace of God, my wife and I have been saved for many, many years. But I can remember when I was not a Christian. I can remember when I was not saved. I never thought about this matter of God's omniscience. I never thought about the fact that God always was looking at me, seeing me. When I spoke words that were profane, words that were cursing, words that were critical. I never thought about the fact that every word I was saying, God was aware of it. I never thought about it when I went to places I should not have gone, when I said things that were not true. I never thought about that. It never entered my mind that God was watching. This is a sobering thing to think about. This is a fearful thing to think about, that God knows everything there is to know about us, every sin, every impure thought, every prideful word, every wicked deed. Now you say, do you believe that God knows that about everyone? I believe the Bible teaches that. Matter of fact, I was reading this morning over in the last book of the Bible, 
in the book of Revelation, chapter 20, where it talks about something that's going to happen at the end of time. I hope you'll take heed to this today. When it says that every unsaved person who's ever lived, those whose bodies perished in the water, those who died some other kind of death, every person who did not receive Christ as Savior, every one of them will one day be summoned to what the Bible calls the great white throne judgment. And they're going to be judged. Now, they're going to be judged about whether they're going to go to heaven or not because they will not be in heaven because they rejected Christ. But this is something it says about their judgment. It, they'll be judged, here's a quote, out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. In other words, when they stand before, when an unsaved person stands before the all-knowing, all-seeing God, God will have a record of everything they ever did, everything they ever said, and they're going to be judged according to that, not in order that they might go to heaven, but because of the, the degree of torment that they're going to experience in the place the Bible calls hell. And this is what it says. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, let me tell you who will not be there. There'll be billions of people there. But let me tell you who will not be there. The people who will not be there are those who have been saved, those who have been born again, those who have received Christ as their Savior. Because, why won't they be there? Because they've been forgiven of their sins. God knows all the sins we've committed, but when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, He forgives us of our sins. That's why Jesus came to this earth, to take my sins upon His own body on the tree. He knew no sin, but He was made to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And so when you think about that place, and I, I fear that there are people that I know, people that I love, who've not received Christ, who've never turned to the Lord, they're going to be at this dreadful place the Bible calls the great white throne. And they're going to be judged according to their works. So according to the Bible, now stay with me today, according to the Bible, you or I, as I was as a lost person, I may not have thought about how evil my thoughts were. I may not have thought it mattered that much what I was saying. The, the wrong things I did, the rebellion against authority, all those things. I never, but you know what? According to the Bible, there's a record made of that. That's a sobering thing, isn't it? It, it is really is a dreadful thing to think about it. But the good news is that one day, by the grace of God, I heard about Jesus Christ. I heard why He came. That He came from heaven and came to this earth. Born of a virgin, God became a man. Why did He come to this earth? He came to this earth to give His life as a sacrifice for my sins and your sins and the sins of the whole world. And one day I received Him as my Savior. I put my faith in Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross for me. And according to the Bible, the moment I did, my sins were forgiven. And I was washed and cleansed. And I'm not going to go to heaven today. I don't have a hope of heaven, nor does anybody else, because they've earned it, because they're good deeds. 
but because Jesus Christ paid for our sins. And this matter of God's omniscience has a great bearing to me on this whole subject about salvation. You know, I can remember when I would hide things from my mama. Now, y'all probably never did anything like that. But I would hide things from mama. I would hide where I was going. I would hide what I was doing. I would hide who I was with because she wouldn't have approved any of those things. But you know what? You can't hide stuff from God because God knows everything. God loves us. God loves us so much that He sent His Son to die for our sins. And if you're here today and you're saved like me, you have reason to rejoice. Now, I don't know. I don't know everybody's heart here today. But it just could be that you're here today and maybe you come to this church frequently. Maybe you come all the time. You may be even, Naaman may be even on the roll. I don't know. But you've never personally received Christ as your Savior. You've never personally, intentionally come to God and said, as I said last Sunday morning, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, I'm guilty and I ask you to forgive me. And if that's you today, the good news is God wants to forgive you. God wants us to be saved. So this matter of God's omniscience has great bearing on us, whether we're saved or lost. And if you're here today and you're thinking, that's what I need. I need the Lord. I need a fresh start. I need to be forgiven. I want to tell you, Jesus Christ wants to save you. He wants to cleanse you and wash you. But it's not through joining a church. It's not about being a member of this church or any church. It's not about getting baptized. It's not turning over a new leaf. It's not promising to do better. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. The Bible is very clear. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God the gift of God is eternal life. Eternal life through Jesus Christ. And today, if you're not saved or you don't know you're saved, you ought to come to Christ. You ought to trust Him as your Savior. Now, with that being said, I want to think about this matter of omniscience for not just those who aren't saved, but those of us who are children of God. As I said... For me as a lost person to think about God's omniscience that He knows everything would be a very troubling reality. But as a Christian, it's so comforting to know that He's with us. That He sees everything we're going through. That He knows us. Not just kind of knows us, but knows us thoroughly. Knows us personally. Knows us intimately. And look at this passage. I hope you have your Bible open to Psalm 139. Because I want to just emphasize a particular aspect of this. Psalm 139, look in verse 1. It says, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Now look in verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. And know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Now, this to me is a very uh, needful, let's say, aspect of this truth about God's omniscience. David is asking God to search me. Now think about this. God knows everything, right? 
everything there is to know. Our thought life, our language, our words, our conversations, our desires, our motivations, our incentive. God knows everything about us, but David says, search me. Now why would David say to God, search me? Don't miss this. It's because David might know himself pretty good, but David knows that God knows him much better than he even knows himself. And you know what? That's something to think about. Search me, O oh God. There are things that God knows about me that I may not know about myself. There are things that God knows about you that, God, that may, you may not ever recognize or think anything about it. Do you think it's possible? I'll throw you a, kind of a rhetorical, hypothetical question. Do you think it's possible for you to go through your life, maybe in the last few days, maybe tomorrow, for you to go through your life and you do things that you think are okay, do you think it's possible that in the eyes of God they may not be okay? How many of you think that's a possibility? It is a possibility, a distinct possibility. Matter of fact, it is a probability. Because God doesn't just know things on the surface. God doesn't just go along with me because it's something I want or something I like or something that fits into my comfort zone. God knows me perfectly, thoroughly, completely in ways that I don't even know myself. And so David, in an in a, in a expression of real transparency, said, God, I want you to, you who know everything, I want you to search me. I want you to help me see things that maybe I don't see about myself. He wouldn't say, search me so God can find something out. God knows everything. He was saying, search me so that I could see what you know about me. Show me what you know about me. Would you be willing for God to do that for you? Think about this. Would you be willing to, in an in a expression of complete transparency, to say, God, if there's anything about me that I need to know, I want you to show me. Help me to see that. You know, we should want that. We should want God to help us to see ourselves. I mean, I, you know what it's like. I know what it's in my, like in my life. We, we recognize something that's not right. We make it right, or we want to confess it, or we want to ask God to help us to do better. The, the Spirit of God came to believers, and He reproves us of sin and rights. He shows us things that are wrong. We want God to do that. But it would be, listen now, it would be very foolish, young person, very naive and foolish, unwise, for you not to believe or recognize that it's possible for you to have things in your life that you accept as okay that God does not approve of. You know, I'm not going to turn to the passage today, but most of us have heard or read the passage in Jeremiah when God said to Jeremiah, he said, I want you to go down to the potter's house. And I'm going to watch, I want you to watch the potter working on the wheel. I had the privilege uh, back in July, we were in Florida. July, Back in January, we were in Florida. And we visited a church on a Sunday night, and there was a man there that got converted. Uh, he was a potter, a professional potter, and he got converted. And so he was a preacher. And as he was preaching, he was making this vessel on the potter. It was pretty impressive, really. I thought I'd try it today, but I decided not to. 
But the scripture says this, Jeremiah, go down and I want to show you something. And he went down there and the potter worked on that wheel and he made something. And he said to Jeremiah, he says, you know, I can, work, I can do in you just like the potter did. And then he says this later on in that same book. He says, the heart of man, the heart, think about this, is deceitful above all things. Now, if you're a living, breathing human, that applies to you. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And then he said this, who can know it? You say, preacher, do you think that means that there's things in your heart and life that, that God may see and may not approve of that you don't see? That's exactly what I believe. That's why the psalmist said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Let me give you another example. One of the most famous preachers in the Bible was Simon Peter. He was an apostle. He was one of the twelve followed Jesus. And one day, one day Jesus said to Simon Peter, Peter, Satan hath desired to sift you as wheat. He's going to, the devil's going to try to deceive you. He's going to, he's going to, you know, try to wreak havoc in your life. I'm paraphrasing, of course. And you see what Peter said. Peter said, not me. Are you with me? Not me. That never happened to me. You got, you got the wrong guy. You know what? Jesus had the right guy. What I'm saying is, Peter, there were things in Peter that he did not see, but Jesus saw them. I'll give you another example. In the book of the Old Testament, most of you are familiar with the writing of Job, the book of Job. Job chapter 1, I'm not going to turn to it just to save a moment or two, but in Job chapter 1, it says this about him, there was no man alive that feared God and hated evil like Job. Think about that. Nobody, nobody that feared God, hated evil like Job. And Job, God sent all kinds of trials into Job's life. Job maintained his integrity. But there's a very interesting verse, I'm just going to read you a part of it, where Job asks a similar question we're talking about. Here's the quote Job says to God. Cause me to understand wherein I have erred. Job said, show me where I'm wrong. And you know what? God did show him some things that were wrong. And if you go to the end of the, the book, the last part of Job, Job said, I've heard of thee with the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee, and this is what Job said, and I abhor myself in dust and ashes. David, Job couldn't see it, but God knew it, and God helped him to see it. Peter couldn't see it, but Jesus could see it and help Peter to see it. David was a man after God's own heart, but he said, God, I want you to show me some things about me. All these testimonies bear witness to this simple fact. Whoever you are, no matter how strong a believer you are, no matter how often you go to church or read your Bible or pray, it's possible that there could be things in our life that we don't see the way God sees them. And can I say to you today, it matters. And I would like to be 
like David was. Search me, O God. You search me. Sometimes we can be guilty about pointing out the faults in others and being conscious of what's going on in their life. But here's the prayer to pray today. Here's your prayer to pray. Last week we talked about a Bible prayer. God be merciful to me, a sinner. Here's another Bible prayer. Search me, O God. This may seem like an exaggeration. But sometimes, I think, the hardest person to say no to is ourself. We see things in our life that we would agree they're probably not best, but we hold on to them. We do things and say things or fail to do things and rather than saying, God, I want to make this right, I want you to show me how you feel about this, we just sort of go on, sort of blind to it, like everything's okay. It's like the church in Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3 that said we're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And he said, don't you even know that you're blind? We need for God to show us. David said, search me. And with the all-seeing eye of God, help me to see me the way that I really am. You know, because I think something's okay doesn't mean it's best. Because you can be comfortable with something doesn't mean that it's God's best. And God uses things to help us see things. I'm not going to turn to it today, but I was thinking this morning about that wonderful passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 where Paul wrote that through the preaching of the Word of God, the hearts, the, this is the word, the secrets of our heart are made manifest. Through the preaching of the Word of God, we see things that maybe we didn't see before. And by the way, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. I don't know how you feel about this, but I just want to give you a suggestion today. Let's not strive to just do things and go places and say things and act in a certain way just because we're comfortable with it. Let's go for something better. Let's say, God, you show me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. My thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it, to know that God knows everything and God sees everything. God is aware of everything that is. And it's also a wonderful thing that knowing all that, that He's willing to forgive us and cleanse us and wash us and make us His own. What a wonderful thing it is. Now if you're here today and you don't know Him, you need Him. You need the Lord in your life. You need Him in your individual life. You need Him in your home and family. You need Him in your daily walk. You need the Lord. And He wants to save you. But you've got to come to Him. And if you're today and you're saved, and you recognize in yourself this tendency to give yourself a pass on things that only you know about nobody else knows, just a reminder, you're not the only one that knows. God knows. 
God knows. More than anything, we want to be right with him.